0: Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just
1: catapulting towards that, like, some greater purpose? We're the only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. this is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended
2: Clip. That's what he goes by, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've That's heard how that. most people refer to the cinematographer Darius Conjay, DJ... D- DJ. <laughs> what, DJ Donkey Kong... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have to. That would actually be a really good name for someone with the initials DK would be DJ Donkey Kong.
0: It'd be it'd be interesting. It's, uh, certainly, it's
2: certainly a nickname, yeah.
1: I bet their
0: mixes would be pretty pretty tight. <laughs> yeah. They'd be pretty uh maybe some chip tune. What, guys, I was like <laughs> all I'm saying is
2: I have two <laughs> announcements for you guys. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to Extended Clip. It's episode one hundred and ten. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum.
1: I'm JT White.
2: Did you want to know what the two announcements were? Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Just Let, I'm wait. changing my name and becoming a DJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: what? What? Uh,
0: do you spin? Spin tracks? Spin vinyl? Uh, to be determined. <laughs> but we are living
2: in a digital world. The double Whoa. feature this week is My Blueberry Nights, the 2007 film by Wong Kar Wai, uh, his English-language debut, and History is Made at Night, the 1937 film by a guy who had made quite a few English-language films before that, Frank Borzaghi. Malcolm, you brought mm-hmm. this double feature to the table. Uh, what is it about nighttime that... or just the word night? That <laughs> that got you thinking here.
0: Well, you know, funny enough, I got a little story on how I chose these movies. How do you? Uh, know? Yeah, it was. Well, it was actually nighttime when I was deciding to uh, choose the movies. So I, I <laughs> so I, I was like, oh wow, look look at the time. Well, what you look <laughs> just much. a clock that <laughs> yeah. says night. Night. On it? Yeah, these
2: movies are more relevant than ever. <laughs>
0: exactly that's what I, in, in the light of day i'm kind of regretting my
2: decision now well the sun's going down and it's starting to look good again
0: <laughs> true true I, you know i always um i always said borzage instead of uh borzaghi i've i never looked it up so i think you're probably right but i feel like i've said borzage like at least five times out loud so that's going to be multiple times on turn. this podcast absolutely the ugh, the people the pe- the mispronunciation who people. cares oh, i just <laughs> hey you know me I just I want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I chose these movies. Because At least we're uh, not
2: saying like Car Wai Wong, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: I
2: might say that. Now. That would be the English bastardization, and we don't we don't do that on extended clip. Uh, JT, have you seen many of these Wong Car Wai films?
1: Um, no, just the. Uh the two big hits. Um, other than that, like I've been wait, what, curious, wait,
2: which because he has like four like pretty huge movies, right? I was
1: gonna say in the mood for love and fuck. Why am I chunking express?
2: Yeah.
0: Those yeah. are the two big
1: ones. Okay, I yeah, have to yeah. Say.
2: yeah, I like Chunking Express quite a bit. Uh, Mal- Malcolm, are you are you a little deeper into the filmography there?
0: Nope, I'm just I'm pretty much oh. where JT is at. I've we're, seen we're uh, all novices in then. the mood for love, and uh, I saw Fallen Angels, which I both I, I really liked. In the mood for love, it was you know quite a while back, but uh, I don't know. Just from what I, from all the screenshots I see, you know, it's, it seems like he'd, he'd be a guy I like, and you know, I I feel like this is considered maybe one of his weaker efforts and i, I kind of just wanted to investigate that you know what i mean i feel like if any you know if any film podcasts were to tackle uh, a director <laughs> director's lesser works would be us that's how we approach a director's filmography you know what i mean we're gonna if we're gonna we're gonna look where podcast. they told us we're gonna look where they told us not to look all right <laughs> we're gonna lift the rocks that they told us to skip down the water so that's that's kind of my reasoning <laughs>
1: you're just spitting poetry today lifting the rocks so
2: that others would skip down the water for 110 episodes join us um yeah i mean I, i've also only seen a handful of the big car kawaii movies i haven't even seen uh in the mood for love is that the name of it yeah, yeah. I, don't know what <laughs> I don't know why I... I think it's called in the mood for pussy <laughs> I just really <laughs> <play>. <laughs> but I've seen Chunking Express like four times And I also really loved uh, Fallen Angels And I thought Happy Together was great as well I've just never really delved into the filmography It's always been something that I always thought was like Oh yeah, I'll get to it And just never really do So I'm glad that we went with one of the more uh, uh, Low-key films in the filmography One of the less acclaimed ones Where it's, I'm not intimidated You know, I think One Car Why. Has maybe the highest esteem for his uh, 90s to 2000s work of like any like Eastern uh, art house filmmaker and really of almost any art house filmmaker of that era. So it is a little intimidating, maybe. Yeah. Uh, for, for some people, the same way that a lot of the older classics were intimidating. And that's why we kind of glaze over them and go into other directions. But I'm glad to take the deep dive on Wong starting. Right now. I'm (laughs) going to... No, but this one was awesome. Um, And it was also (laughs) kind of like... There's a very strange feeling about it uh, because it has less of a detachment, it being in English. And so it kind of, I don't want to say exposed, but it really lays bare how maybe sentimental and for the lack of a better word corny Wong Kar-wai is and why some of his movies are great because of that but in english and with Jude Law delivering some of the lines <laughs> uh among another uh, other people in the cast such as Rachel Whites who was a little underwhelming for me yeah. Yeah. sometimes kind of uh kind of falls on its face and like uh it's weird because it so clearly is his movie and like it's in it's a Wong movie in english that just maybe just because of the performances if anything if nothing else uh the performances delivering these lines that are somewhat lost in translation it suffers but otherwise i think it's quite good
1: yeah isn't this i was reading the armand review and this is his first like digital movie right oh okay really? I didn't yeah know that. yeah
2: yeah i mean the digital looks great it's shot by darius kanji there's a lot of uh <laughs> the, the first like 10 minutes all takes place in that cafe that Jude Law works out where Nora Jones is in there, you know, eating the after hours pie, getting the Spanglish special, which we also see in the other movie that we talk about, you know, someone cooking a meal while the restaurants shut down, maybe the most romantic thing you can do in cinema. Here he's just... Tossing her the leftover pie, but uh, still a very romantic thing. But it's all shot, like a lot of it at least, is shot from the sidewalk through the glass. And there's so much like glass and reflections and light in front of the camera between the camera and the characters. And it's all very diffused. And you just come across so many incredible images in these scenes. No,
0: yeah, this movie is, I mean, kind of interesting in a lot of aspects. I mean, I think structurally it is very interesting and it kind of goes out of its way to be uh, structurally kind of like divergent or whatever. And then, yeah, like kind of the visual style, like, like uh, when Jude Law and Nora Jones, you know, don't know why I didn't come of, you know, don't know why I didn't come fame. Mm-hmm. Nora Jones. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why.
2: And by the way, I was lamenting the fact that there aren't, you know, uh, stars to be in Elvis-type movies anymore. And I I said that I wanted rappers to be in it. But, you know, uh, this kind of does fill that slot of just like putting a pop star in a movie and seeing what happens. And, (laughs) you know, it happens. And Eddie's
0: favorite, uh, Cat Power. (laughs) He recently gave me... uh, Uh, A lot of ire for listening to, but she has a a small acting (laughs) role in this movie, if you remember. But
2: uh, (laughs) is she the girlfriend of Jude Law that comes back that one time? Yeah, oh, still rolling your own cigarettes there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It
0: is. It does kind of feel like a weird scene. I feel like maybe her acting's pretty good, which
2: means it's better than her music. Whoa. Mm.
0: Well, I disagree with that, but
2: uh, (laughs) I I I haven't heard two fucking power songs. I'm just giving Malcolm a hard time. Yeah,
0: it's just kind of Eddie's natural kind of massage way you know you kind of sees a female Has uh, to tear down. yeah it's just like uh, i haven't listened to it but if i were to guess you know probably but anyways that's not that's not film related uh, <laughs> since like Nora jones and like her job is you know she is working behind uh the register at the diner or behind the counter at the bar or whatever and so you kind of do get a lot of like these Detached views of these individuals whether it's like the depressed cop the cuck cop or whatever <laughs> and uh, you do feel sometimes that like uh Kar Wai and Kanji kind of have more fun like kind of just setting up these environments with their very, you know, particular Mood lighting style and just having like these characters walk through them like Rachel Weiss who Gives a very particular style performance here that I don't quite enjoy, but when she's you know first walking through that bar, it looks it looks really great, you know what I mean? And then like uh, just because of like the environment that uh, they create here, like there's so much. It does kind of have that thing where it kind of returns to a lot of set pieces, kind of like sitcom style almost, um, especially with like kind of the bar and the diner, and like the the production design and like the lighting schemes on that are so like detailed and designed that like I get a lot of visual pleasure like out of these scenes even if some of the acting notes uh don't quite hit
1: yeah I agree I think that this film works best in the those little moments where it's just stylish and visually interesting like you, you talk about these musicians Nora Jones and Cat Power like Only going off of, like, Chunking Express, the way he uses pop music here is really impressive. Like, the Otis Redding drop repeatedly is so fantastic. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how I felt about that Harvest Moon cover, but the fact that (laughs) someone wants to cover a Neil Young song, hey, that's that's enough for me to like it as is. Yeah, I don't know. I like those little bits of it, even though, like, as you're saying, like, there are some points where... The acting does feel a little off. I think... I really got sort of lost if, with the Natalie Portman like <laughs> stuff at the end. Like that is definitely.
0: I think I think that stuff's mostly fun, but then when it kind of like wraps around into being like a
2: a serious yeah. thing, yeah, it and does it's th- like a weird song to song prequel, just like yeah. roaming around Texas with Natalie Portman. I like, like running that. around to hospitals and stuff, but it's not like, the hosp, not the hospital. The hospital stuff, stuff was like, yeah, come on. But I, I do like just her running around the streets in Houston and stuff like that does feel a lot more spontaneous than the rest of the movie kind of in, in that way that I kind of associate with Wong, even if, you know, obviously he has these meticulously planned productions, I'm sure, but something like chunking, which is shot, uh, you know, I don't want to say offhandedly to discredit it since it's like a masterpiece of a movie, but shot while another production's on break quickly, like two weeks or something like that. Uh, the, the spontaneity in the camera movement and that's like multiplied by the editing is it's pretty fleeting here. It, it's very touch and go. It's like there's a couple scenes that are great, like when Nora Jones and Jude Law are writing letters to each other. Uh, so, first of all, they they meet in this cafe and then she goes and takes on some waitress jobs across the country. Uh, the first place is in Memphis. This is the, that's where most of the film takes place. And, uh yeah the the letter writing scenes were great Wong just using these super long dissolves and those kind of classic like over cranked fast forwarded shots of city lights at night uh, that sometimes get all choppy with the motion and uh yeah just bouncing between that and then the plot of like Rachel Weiss and David Stratharn. I <laughs> how do you say his name i was wondering david straverne
0: david straverne Stravern. not a name Stra- rather he's
2: in a few things yeah. that i've seen he popped up in something uh that i really liked recently he's also in the sopranos for a little bit i believe yeah i'm gonna have to double check on that one but <laughs> <laughs> he i actually really like his performance oh, yeah. as like the alcoholic cop who i love how he's like a drunken southern American alcoholic cop, but still has quirky Wonkar Y tendencies. Like it's like he's like, every day, man, I go to that bar, it's gonna be my last day drink. <laughs> like uh, he he just has all these funny tendencies and the way people describe him, it's like, is he married? Oh, he doesn't know that he's not, you know? Yeah. Uh and just like I really love Wonkar Y's outsider, quirky, lonely uh, characters because despite their almost like obnoxiously adorable sad veneer uh, there is something so much more compassionate about the way that he puts these people into spaces and like the the isolation of the real world uh, or the isolation of these characters against the real world makes them so much more profound than just like the quirks of the you know expired pineapple cans from uh, pineapple express <laughs> uh, <laughs> from <laughs> Wong <Kar-wai's> classic 1994 <laughs> Stoner comedy. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, he's a like a he's
0: really compassionate with it. I think that's why he kind of gives, like you know, um, David Strathern the cop character or whatever. Of course, you get a lot, you know, a lot of commiserating with him but then with the Weiss character you you get her side of it too even though I think we've kind of lamented that.
2: That's well I actually don't think yeah. her performance is all that bad. It's just a little weird when you get those classic like money shots of her walking down the hallway. It's like everyone's looking at her. It's like yeah. that just doesn't hit kind of like it's yeah. a weird thing that Wong goes for with that shot but uh, what really was trying for me was after the breakup scene and after yeah. uh you know, not even breakup after he, David Strathern's character is dead from a drunken driving accident, and she just has this insanely long monologue so where long. Nora Jones oh, is yeah. out of focus, listening to it in this two shot for what has to be four minutes. <laughs> it felt like five hours, and that was when the film started to kind of sour for me because then she picks up Natalie Portman at a poker game, and it's like. I don't know, the Natalie Portman stuff, there, there's there's fun to be had for sure. Uh, it's between Portman and Weiss, though, uh, and even sometimes Jude Law, just the strangeness of those people uh, delivering the script that is co-written. I, I don't have the writer's name, but, you know, an English language writer co-wrote this with Wong Kar Wai, and it, some of it just feels so strange to me that I just don't quite get the pleasures. Like, these are real movie stars, but they're not giving the caliber of performances, nearly, that the stars of King Express or Happy Together give.
1: Oh my, look who's back. I thought you'd be halfway to Vegas in that fancy ass Jaguar. I figure,
0: why not let you pay for my gas?
1: Yeah, I feel like Portman's, my problems with Portman's performance and maybe just like how she's written her character in general is like very much like a caricature. Like, and is, I I don't know, exaggerated in a way where it like makes the corny, like sentimental aspects of the movie. I, I don't know. It just, it's a very weak route to go with that.
0: Yeah. Although I will say, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is kind of my, one of my favorite kind of period during the movie, just because it is, it is a bit strange, but like, I don't know. Like, I feel like her acting is all right. It is just kind of like weird like it's it's weird I don't weird. think
2: Portman's a terrible actor here yeah. at all you know it's just a it kind of it's a good way to enunciate the point of the dissonance of these performances
0: no yeah well just kind of like the arena she's put in is weird cuz she's also like acted or asked to bounce off that other poker player at the table who gets like good chunks of like screen time just, dude just where is he is just like yeah. this guy in a stained hawaiian shirt it's like we would have loved like you know some norm mcdonald casting there or something oh like my that. god you know just or just just someone with swag you know what i mean just someone yeah. with a little bit of he's five eleven with dark brown hair
1: sorry i can't think of any meatloaf with cheese fries or onion rings or eggs or fried fillet of fish that match that description
0: Last time we were here, I think he had
1: the pork chops. Oh,
2: why didn't you say so? That's because we
1: supposedly have the best pork chops in the city. You ever tried it?
2: No, I haven't. Why not? Why, are you
1: religious or something?
2: Jude Law, like, there's something so uncool about Jude Law's like 2000s coffeehouse soft boy aesthetic. We're and just past d- it as as a I society. I think we might just be past it, yeah. I, you know, and I think
0: with, like, I don't know. I think there's something about kind of, like, the weird kind of, like, tackiness of like portman's character that i like that kind of feels maybe specific to its time era just a little bit or whatever i I like that it's a
2: weird stab at genre too yeah like it's a weird kind of uh you know get one over at a poker game kind of like I I, I like that aspect of it. And I also think that those travel scenes are great with them on the road. uh, That's Wong really in the fucking groove. Him and Kanji really in a great groove shooting. These wide open landscapes and these sped up uh, in the car shots and these great transitions. And that's where aesthetically the film just comes right back to life for me.
0: Yeah, so that's 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 also another reason, right? Because it is like, I do kind of like, I did compliment the sitcom mode of, you know, of kind of returning to these uh, locations over and over again. I, you know, I kind of like the weird, I guess this is quirky or whatever, how she works two jobs and sees the, the yeah. guy at her morning diner job and at her night bar yeah. job. And you kind of just cut between those sequences. And those are good. But then, yeah, I think the switch up is also good. And I think this is where it kind of comes. There's more visual interest, more you know, they're just getting out, they're getting out and they're going places. So yeah. there's just more, I mean, just like when the car is introduced, you could tell that there's like an immediate, like, and you get like seven quick shots of like, just the car reflection or whatever. It's like, Which okay, is also funny we're going because now. it's
2: just such a like mid two thousands luxury car kind of thing. Like, just you could see it on one of those terrible uh, car shows from the 2000s in standard definition like all those all those like really hard hitting like weird angular shots on it you know cut together uh, really quickly like look at this cool jag it got and me man it didn't get me because <laughs> I did not think the car was cool I thought that the actual driving sequences were really incredible Though, like I think visually that might even be my favorite aspect of the film other than the first coffee house scenes i think the first 10 minutes what he does with like reflections and light is incredible and there's also like a lot of dissolves in that first 10 minutes mm-hmm. like uh just passing the time within one scene even but then maybe you end up the next day like as their relationship progresses and i i think that first 10 minutes even with jude law having to do a lot of the heavy lifting uh the first 10 minutes and the road trip sections with portman i think are probably my favorite aspects of this movie
1: yeah i also like some of the shots where it's like jude law setting up the uh, the camera stuff yeah. oh that, yeah that those, is good that's really i also good like there. that
2: his monitor has rectangular like 2.35 to 1 markers on it as <laughs> if it's just like wong's playback monitor for this movie <laughs> or something that, that like that now that you mentioned again like that
0: first kind of sequence is interesting because it is just kind of like moments of their relationship like like the that really stylistic scene where jude law gets in a little tussle or whatever at his his cafe or yeah. whatever so a real rude customer getting a scone or whatever but uh yeah th- there are just kind of like little th- there i guess there's just more trying of things, and I guess it is a, a weird thing. Like, and then Nora Jones shows back up in that same scene. like, oh, I've been yeah. mugged. They both have bloody
1: noses, they've, ha- yeah. they've
0: both been socked in the face, yeah, and it, they've never felt closer,
2: and, yeah. And um, there's also another fight that David Strathern gets in in a bar fight, and like, uh, it's really incredibly shot through this like red, like, uh, shade of a lamp or something like that. And first it's completely shot through that, and then it pans down kind of, and it becomes like that frames the action around it, kind of like a curtain almost. And uh, yeah, there's just little things like that, just little shots that really stick with me, Uh, you know, I guess hours later since (laughs) I watched it this morning. I... Ah, man, I'm really struggling between three and three and a half on this one. You can expect me to maybe bump it up eventually, but I'm going to go three bullets for now. What about you, Malcolm?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go three and a half. Narratively, or whatever, like, yeah, there are, like, parts where it's like, I I don't give a fuck about Natalie Portman's dying father or whatever in this movie. It is, like, just weird turns. Weird turns like that that (laughs) do kind of, like, sour it a little bit but it like i don't know I, there's still enough visually interesting here that one car why is doing that like i'm entertained you know and I, yeah i think there's there, i think it's it's a it's a quirky movie it's kind of a strange movie and sometimes that strangeness works in its favor other times it's just a little off-putting for me so that yeah that's basically how, how i'm feeling jt I want to know how I want to know how you feel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm uh, giving this one three and a half bullets as well, (laughs) even though it does like toe that line and get into a little like corny, hokey territory. It's always like very sincere. And I feel like the fact that it's mixed with such like impressive visual beauty that really sells it a whole lot. And just, I don't know, like you're saying, like it is an oddity. It's an interesting thing to see, like his first digital movie and uh, one in the States.
0: <laughs> hey, one for America. That's what absolutely I, like to see. That's what I, I like just to. I
1: love to see non-American guys coming in here doing their uh, putting in their piece.
0: Getting on their patriotic ink tip, you know what I mean? I mean, what's more patriotic than blueberry pie?
1: <laughs> Apple pie. Yeah. Uh, well he's hey
0: man, he, that's <laughs> next movie he's gonna be on that. Don't
2: worry. <laughs> We'll be right back on Extended Clip. how And
1: now
0: those springs in the air
1: can tear each other down, but at the end of the day, it's all fun and games. Yeah. we got to remember that. Remember it's all about mutual love and respect.
0: <laughs> at the end of the day, you have to say you're sorry, or else I'm going to freak out.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: not going to bed angry at you guys.
2: Uh, we're back on Extended Clip. and Before we get to the middle segment, I wanted to uh, just give a little shout out to patreon.com slash Extended Clip. $2 a month if you didn't already know. For a weekly bonus episode, this past week we talked about Two Weeks in Another Town, the Vincent Minnelli movie. JT was in Another Town.
1: Yeah, I had a great time recording that episode. That one was so fun. I think that was probably the smartest and best, and also probably the cutest I've ever sounded on the podcast. (laughs) I'd have to agree. (laughs) If you want to hear
2: JT sounding so damn cute that you just want to eat him up, (laughs) $2 a month, baby.
0: If you're addicted to the sound of JT's voice, subscribe to the Patreon. (laughs) Uh, Also, you know... If you
2: think he's just so small and cute... (laughs) If you, all right, I'm not gonna not gonna go down that route,
0: but uh, but you know there's other stuff. You know we we, we did a DVD raffle once. Uh, my friend Jack is hitting me up. We have not given him his Chantal uh, Ackerman DVD set yet. We'll, we'll give told that to me him. He said well, he didn't want it. No, I, well he's wanting it now. <laughs> We're gonna have to pony up for that one. Oh, but uh, boy. so That's see, there's 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 potential for great rewards and prizes if you sign up. The dangers of
2: doing a raffle. Um, Maybe we'll do another raffle.
0: <laughs> you could send them. You could. I mean, to be honest, maybe you might be listening. So I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of line here. But maybe, maybe you go. You know, to the cheaper section of your DVD selection. You know what I mean? Maybe. But no, that's not what we do on the Patreon. Real rewards and price. Real <laughs> rewards only. <laughs> Real rewards only. And we never go back on our word.
2: <laughs> and we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the middle. Life is unfair. Malcolm, did you uh, watch any movies this week? Yeah.
0: You know what? I think offhand the the other week or just recently, you're like, you know, I need to watch something, you know, sleazy. It's been a while. You know, I hadn't done that. And, that, you know, that made me realize I've been a little, you know, clean cut myself. And I want to watch... I mean, to be honest, I I didn't, I wanted to watch something, at least a horror movie, you know, at least something, you know, get a little stabs in there or something like that.
2: Get the blood flowing. Mm -hmm. But
0: I watched Beyond the Darkness, directed by Joe D'Amato, and this was, it was a little bit more depraved than I was expecting, and I don't know, it's a movie that's uh, just, it's really fucking ugly, and it it kind of just embraces it to a T to where it's just, it's, uh, I don't know, it's firing on all levels, but it's kind of about, it's a classic story of a boy who loves a girl girl dies you steal the corpse you bring it back and you rip her heart out and you eat it because you love her that much you ever (laughs) you ever you ever you ever felt that way about a woman eddie (laughs) no me me neither but watching watching these movies opens myself up to new experiences so yeah uh he just he has fun with his ex you know his dead girlfriend's body and then you know he keeps having to kill other women to you know uh, hide the fact that he's, he's got a corpse bride oh. and uh so yeah there's a lot of nasty stuff in there
2: sounds like and, a stand-up guy
0: <laughs> and like i don't know it is like there there's a real particularness to like a lot of the shot choices and framing here that like maybe you don't get in a lot of other like horror movies that are specialized in like i don't know depravity it really is like leaning into that like a like a the the main guy's room is really great there's a lot of like stuffed ducks around the room and there's just a lot of shots where you're in in with the stuffed ducks looking at like the depravity taking place or whatever there's like buckets of guts laying around you know it's good stuff and uh sounds like good stuff it's you know you know it's the ultimate bachelor pad for sure but uh so yeah that's that's what i was up to monday night (laughs) i was watching that
2: what about you jt
1: when I was back in Philly, mm-hmm. I don't know, I was hanging with the boys, chilling with Nico. Sometimes you want like a casual flick to watch on Tubi while you drink a few beers, and we watched Hell Comes to Frogtown, a 1988 like like B movie science fiction uh flick starring Roddy Piper as Sam Hell. Um, it's, it's crazy that this, this movie came out the same year as they live because it's just like absolutely insane to see Piper do something this like silly. So, I mean it's so fucking dumb and fun but uh, also like not that good but still there's there's a lot to dig into because the interesting thing about Sam Hell is he lives in a post apocalyptic Like, like there's like a nuclear war style style earth and his seed is incredible. His seed? His seed. He's getting women pregnant left and right. And so the U.S. government um, kidnaps him and jacks him off. And essentially they send two sexy ladies um, and they have like a bomb strapped to his dick and they just send him all about the wilderness to, like, fuck different type of women to, like, repopulate the earth. And then... This sounds uh, <laughs> like a great
2: movie, to be honest. It's just, like... Another I, stand-up guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, like... I don't know. There are parts of it that are really fun. I think it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's just, like... I, I don't know. If the production was a little bit better, I think it could really elevate it. But it, there are... Beats where he is like the Frog town part gets into like there are some weird like f- reptile freaks and some of the wi- his the women captors who of course ultimately wind up wanting to fuck him yeah um they get like put into like some sort of like sex slavery style thing. Uh, with these lizard people, there's it's good. <laughs> it's,
0: it, you're really selling me on this movie. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting. Th- hey, maybe maybe a nice you know Showtime, miniseries remake is in the works. I, know, or I something. absolutely think that John should Cena happen. or whatever you know just Dave it, Batista. Dave Batista. You know what I mean? A lot of a lot of great wrestlers out there. So uh, yeah, I want to I want to see that in HD.
2: <laughs> I also want to see that in HD. <laughs> Um, you know, I mentioned the Patreon earlier. And we talk, we we talked about a Jerry Lewis Frank Tashlin movie on there uh, a couple weeks ago, The Geisha Boy. And I watched another one. This one a Martin and Lewis movie. I watched Artists and Models directed by Frank Tashlin, starring Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. This one um, well, it's kind of about two guys like me and JT, you know, two two roommates <laughs> wow. who are artists. <laughs> Who are under the influence of pulp fiction and beautiful women? And I'm
0: the I'm the red guy in the suit.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Malcolm is definitely the guy, the executive at the the comic book, uh, who is just like I don't know. He's just very. Funny. Just the way, anything that Jerry Lewis pitches, or sorry, anything that Dean Martin pitches to him. Uh, he just has a very drawn out, excited response to that's very funny. And he, he's very cartoonish, just like many of the characters in this movie are very cartoonish. And yeah, it feels very appropriate for Jerry Lewis to inhabit this world of the comic book superhero obsessed mixing with the Looney Tunes sensibility of Tashlin. Um, yeah, it, it's a really, really amazing movie.
0: They, I mean, you couldn't make this movie nowadays. You know, a movie, kind of uh, painting comic book fans in a, in a goofy light. I feel like the the community just would not be acceptable of that nowadays. Yeah, uh,
2: the the kind of dual romance uh, is with Dorothy Malone is paired with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis with Shirley MacLaine, and I have to say both of those romances were pretty incredible. Um, especially the Jerry and Shirley MacLaine one was really unlike anything i've seen for like the romantic interest in a jerry lewis movie so far
0: no yeah now that you mentioned that like shirley MacLaine is kind of like amazing in that movie and it's like matches kind of uh jerry's manic energy in a very complimentary way
2: and Dean Martin's swag, just unreal. <laughs> <laughs> the guy everybody wants to this, be This
0: this is what a man should look like. Yes. Alright? That's right. <laughs> not you know, not these uh
2: Yeah. The I I think uh, my favorite part is the uh dance number when it's like toward the end, it's kind of uh, Shirley MacLaine's last dish effort to get Jerry Lewis's attention because Jerry Lewis is obsessed with the woman that she poses in costume as uh, not realizing that it's Shirley MacLaine. So Shirley MacLaine kind of traps him in the staircase and just does the all these acrobatic moves all over him trying to get up the stairs out to the, the rooftop to help his buddy. Uh, dean martin who's getting a nice tan on with his lady friend and it's just so full of jerry knocking shit over and classic acrobatic choreography there's just such like peak classic hollywood anything can happen and will happen perfectly uh just a beautiful movie we'll be right back on extended clip <laughs> And we're back on Extended Clip. History is Made at Night. The 1970. Ugh, 1937 film by Frank Borzagi. Borzagi. Borzag. Borzage. You the big know, do you boars? know which one it actually is? No. I, I think yeah. it's Borzaghi. I think I've heard people say Borzaghi. Uh and if, you know, the Borzage family is listening to this, they're screaming. I'm I i do not have a good uh track record with
0: pronunciation, so i'm gonna trust eddie with this one
1: but i like you're honest about it that's all that matters that's true
0: i'm sorry i'm I'm, I'm probably the most righteous man yeah (laughs) at least on the podcast certainly certainly
2: (laughs) let's let's be clear here you're the most righteous man of all time i fuck up but i'm
0: like i also i'm like oh i'm I'm bad so it's like that means it's good it's pretty (laughs)
2: christ-like of you you're a very righteous man this film stars charles boyer and gene arthur and it is—I don't even know what to call it. It's a genre bender, I guess. It's a little bit of a uh, romance, a little bit of a melodrama, a little bit of crime, suspense, disaster. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it really... uh, it's all over the place. All the entertainment you could pack into ninety-seven minutes, and it's—it's uh, it's awesome. Yeah, Charles Boyer is like the best waiter of all time. Just, <laughs> just, just. Oozing In sex appeal uh, and he is trying to win the heart of or he really successfully wins the heart of Jean Arthur uh, who at the time was being set up by her husband to be robbed and more perhaps and uh, so he just scoops her up and takes her on like a kidnapping date. And they kind of fall in love, old-timey movie style. And then she goes back to her possessive husband, and this man and his uh, chef friend must get her back for the sake of love. How'd you guys like this movie? I I liked it a lot.
0: Um, the Borzegi. I, that, that I was gonna say something, but I was like, I'm gonna mispronounce his name. But uh, Mr. Borzaghi. Uh. I, I've been I, you know I've been a big fan of his movies. I haven't watched enough of them, but like I, I, I tend to think about them a lot. And uh it's one thing about him is he always Malcolm la-
2: is always posting uh as clips from uh Borzaghi movies and he says thinking about this scene again. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and it's not I I mean I try with the Michael Mann and the, the Scorsese and the Borzaghi. It's just not picking up. It's not doing nothing. I'm thinking about all these scenes, man. All these I'm thinking about the intro to Goodfellas. I'm thinking about Uncut gems. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> all, right, always... all right, let's
2: get back to talking.
0: here. no, you're right, but and uh, but more more importantly, I'm thinking about uh, the Borzagey line of movies, and all of this is just to say that he has a very in, like intense, laying it on thick, kind of romantic atmosphere that uh, he does, and it's still here, but it is like kind of like the the grab bag of different like kind of genre, uh, you know, kind of twists, I guess, or you know, little segments that this movie goes on that kind of just gives it a kind of a different feel cuz you do have that deep romance and y- it it is like uh, applied in certain moments certain great moments but yeah you do have interesting stuff like a very a very sadistic husband you know what i mean who just is you know just a pure evil just willing to kill motherfuckers or you just have you know the friendship between um you know the 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 sexy waiter and 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 the chef or oh, whatever Paul and
2: Caesar Paul yeah. and Caesar oh yeah i mean the Leo c- Carrillo as the great caesar mm-hmm. <laughs> who is like you know it's in a french restaurant that they work but i guess he's this italian chef who's the greatest chef in the world and <laughs> He's just an awesome stereotype of an Italian chef character who is just like the most compassionate man who is also very egocentric about his own food. Uh, and it's it, it's amazing. And yeah, Colin Clive is the husband that you mentioned. The very possessive husband is really great as just, yeah, classic old uh, pouty villain of a man who just keeps a woman as much as he possibly can Uh, away from our hero.
1: I don't know. I love this movie so much. I was absolutely amazed. I think that, like, when a lot of, like... When you say that a movie is like a grab bag of genres, I feel like a lot of the times that can be like described as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the people who are generally calling that a bad thing are idiots. I like movies that are a lot of different movies, but I mean, like seeing something like this, like nineteen thirty-seven, it fucking blow my tits off. Yeah. Like that's crazy. <laughs> like yeah. especially, like I mean, not to uh, put the cart before the horse, but the. Um, The iceberg shit, like at the end, it's so intense. And like, I don't know, it makes something that like, it's smaller, but still like the romanticism of the first half and just like the gesture there, the kidnapping, it's all like crazy, like movie thinking. Mm -hmm. But then you just like amp it up like all the way, iceberg, (laughs) husband suicide, like just (laughs) some intense shit.
0: And like amongst like this intense shit, like I feel like... Like we have two. Like I feel like. Um, what's the uh, head waiter's name again? Paul. Or? Uh
2: yeah, Paul Dumont.
0: Paul. Paul. The performance of Paul is kind of more of a traditional, traditional swag performance. But like Jean Arthur, there's such something very particular about like the way mm. she acts or whatever. Like the way she says "oh." Yeah. What, oh, of mm. course that scene stands out. We're here, my darling. Oh. What's happened since I first uh, the scene where she kind of comes back from her kidnap date and she forgets that you know she's so kind of uh, enraptured by love that she, she just kind of walks
2: for- into this police procedural movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. She walks into like a, you know a crime scene, you know, just kind of like love struck, and it's just you know kind of too elated to have possibly witnessed a murder, and it's just kind of the interesting dynamic of you know these these cops on the job and her just kind of being smitten and just kind of the you know that it kind of gives it a a weird sense where she comes at the end it's like oh yeah you know i don't know what happened i know we you know we rolled around and you know i got got away so it's all fine. you know it's just kind of just uh very weird and enjoyable
2: yeah, and it's also fitting that these scenes, like, take place in Paris. And I, I just really like that setting, especially the uh, obvious fake backdrops of, like, the Eiffel Tower and stuff from outside of uh, where, uh, I guess, where she lives in Paris. And then uh, it's fitting that it's in Paris, though, uh, because, yeah, the the scenes, like, the kidnapping, uh, the, the crime scenes are... Just like really expressive shot with it in this like chiaroscuro style that's like film noir kind of, but of course, film noir in America is more of a 40s thing, so it's like almost like the the late 30s uh, Renoir and like Michael Carney, like kind mm-hmm. of noir movies, like uh, 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 The Human Beast is that the the, the Le Bête Humaine? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that one, The
0: Bitch by Jean Renoir. Oh, no, yeah, that's... I haven't seen that one, that one yeah. sounds awesome. Mainly because
2: uh-huh. of the name. Yeah, I like that part the <laughs> 30's most. <laughs> 30s renoir is like unbeatable. So yeah, I got to yeah. fill in all those gaps. But regardless, uh, this kind of has almost a similar look to that in its more like noir-ish scenes. And then it just completely swings the other way. It just goes into these crazy romantic scenes with all of these super expressive close-ups with, you know, Gene Arthur in close-up just incredible looking into camera and the way they light her as opposed to the way they light Charles Boyer in those scenes where his, you know, uh, like criminal romanticism is still kind of mysterious to the viewer. I, I just think that's absolutely incredible.
0: No, yeah, the the way like she is shot like in those close-ups, particular, t- they really do stand out because the the light seems brighter on her. You know what I mean? I guess it does kind of go with you're saying. You know, he's got that dark criminal swag. She's you know she's from the Midwest. She's you know uh, completely you know bright faced or whatever. Yeah. And uh, uh, but like yeah, there's even kind of like almost like a what's that called again? Like a like a slight iris or what? Or yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like around it too. Like yeah, the some you know going to some real stops uh, Bor- borzegi is to really sell some of these more uh, intense moments
2: yeah he's going as expressive as possible like with every tone slash genre that it takes and i think that's why this movie is so successful is that he really does not hold back in, like, the tonal shifts between these scenes that hop from one genre to another.
1: Yeah, when it, like, gets to the iceberg stuff at the end and it's, like, in complete, like, melodrama despair, it's, like, the intensity of that and then the release of them being able to be saved oh, yeah. at the end where you just see just men just hooting and hollering, just going off, just like that's like Feels I, like I don't, silent film. Yeah, it's like it's like a Soviet like yeah, montage yeah. like hall of people just so happy.
0: That's something I feel like he's good at throughout the movies I've seen, kind of really um, you know, giving you kind of like these personal stories, but kind of Backing them up with like, even though it's kind of like random characters in that scene that we haven't been introduced to, like, there's, I don't know, just like the chef and the restaurant. There's a great attention to detail to kind of like this these supporting characters too, Mm -hmm. that uh, you know, just make the movie better.
2: So the plot is very uh, convoluted and strange, but basically after this kidnapping date, uh, Gene Arthur doesn't realize there was like a a a murder in, in that whole scene going on that you know unbeknownst to her i guess and uh charles boyer and uh cesar they come to america and there's a really great shot of them on the boat with the backdrop of the new york skies look at them sky wipers so yeah they're just like chilling making their living there and he has his own little almost like Wong Kar Wai-ish quirk of running this restaurant and saving this table every night just for her to show up and then she finally does show up with her you know a uh, demonically possessive husband and uh she's like laughing to hold back tears I guess and uh, Charles Boyer takes that very offensively yeah. <laughs> just storms out of the restaurant uh, pre- pretty funny stuff
1: it's just like that the, his plan is just ultimate swag it's yeah. like I'm gonna make a restaurant in America that's so good this bitch has to come here <laughs> like there's no way she's not gonna come to this how nice this restaurant is
2: and I love the, as I alluded to earlier, the Spanglish type uh, after hours dinner scenes. Multiple times he has Cesar cook for him, uh, for him, and uh, for Jean Arthur after you know a restaurant is closed. And that that is always just like, I don't know, it's such a great romantic expression, and like also the emptiness of the restaurant uh, makes it kind of unnatural. Uh, obviously, restaurant scenes you're so used to them having a bunch of extras and stuff like that and uh yeah it's just so much more focused on these two people and it's always uh in this film always so successful
0: no yeah like thinking about like these these uh, after hours restaurant scenes like of course kind of like the romantic meals and stuff are good but in like those kind of have like the staff swarming around a little bit whereas like where she kind of comes back and gets off the carriage to like let uh you know, uh, Paul know that, you know, you know, he's the one basically. And it's like completely empty. It gives it such like a more like kind of intense romantic mood, kind of like, yeah, like a, a space we're seeing filled with people just, you know, with them two alone.
2: It goes into the disaster movie mode when the husband, uh, carries out instructions for the ship that he owns that is carrying, uh, among other people his wife and Charles Boyer to go at full speed dead ahead despite the incredibly dangerous fog levels Things are a bit thick out here
0: We're in fog And it's getting soupier every minute That makes no difference I want the record This trip, you understand? This crossing Wait a minute, Mr. Vale We're in cold water here
1: 40 degrees that means this time of year and in heavy fog. I. This is my responsibility. And you're taking orders from me. Fog or no fog, you bring that ship here.
2: So the ship just like goes out of control and they just go right into an iceberg. And much like the Titanic, uh, you know, people start to go, go crazy. The ship's starting to sink. And it is just like, so full of fog and all of these uh, like exterior shots, I guess, on the deck of the boat, just so fog filled. And the mise-en-scene starts getting more and more crazy and the montage starts getting more and more crazy. And it's really an accomplishment of suspense and relief, uh that third act uh iceberg set piece i guess
1: yeah the way like when it has uh paul and irene like coming in from the outside at one point and then the just fog like sort of gently drifts in the room is so beautiful like yeah. all of the way he uses like i don't know the effect of that is i don't know so intense
0: yeah, and the the effects of like the avalanche too are just super impressive and just like how realistic they look and like not even for the time like it just straight up just looks good still to me
2: i think it's miniatures but he's just like a boat ramming into a rock and it looks so real yeah it's awesome
0: and then like yeah the the intense romantic scenarios that kind of come out of that like because like it is like something before like we see kind of uh you know paul and gene arthur kind of deal with it like you see like uh the men and women being separated in the boats and, and I'm just kind of thinking like, that's kind of intense, you know, maybe that's, maybe we do it by, you know, who you came with or whatever, you know, it's just cause everyone seems to be kind of upset by this. I don't know. And, yeah, and, and, no and one that,
2: seems to get a good deal out of the one first set of lifeboats. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then, you know, then you have Jean Arthur just clinging to Paul, you know, for a dear life refusing to go on like, you know, the women and children boats out of there. And that's just such a great, you know, uh, hypercharged romantic moment you got the fog you know pouring in and all the intense you know crazy people around them and them just kind of enduring that is very moving to see
2: i love this movie and i love love like we always do at extended <laughs> clip i'm giving this one four bullets what about you malcolm
0: i'm giving this one four bullets and for the viewers at home i'm with my hands i'm making a heart you know what i mean just for everyone listening but okay. uh yeah, I uh, I'm ex- I'm excited to you know keep going through this guy's filmography because uh, he only makes hits, romantic hits.
1: Yeah, I'm going to four and a half bullets. <laughs> Borzagi, Borzagi, whatever you want to call it, Borzagi, or oh, fuck, that's the same way. <laughs> Borzag, yeah, Borzagi,
2: <laughs> Borzagi, whether you want to call it Borzagi or <laughs> Borzagi, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it me. doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, Big B. <laughs> the big FB. Yeah. Uh, it should be noted that this is the first movie for the podcast that JT and I watched together as roommates. Oh. Not the first movie that we watched together as roommates. Right before this, we watched Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil
0: nice. Yeah, yeah getting okay, in a lot I'm, of romantic you know, <laughs> group watches. I'm interested to see how you guys' relationship blossoms as roommates, you know what I mean? I'm kind of the...
1: Don't feel left out. No, no hey, welcome.
0: hey, I, I, I'm a busy guy, don't worry. <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, yeah, so for the you know the viewers, I'll kind of be, I'll do reports on that, kind of see if they're getting a little closer to each other. From the outside looking. <laughs> out. yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, yeah, I think this, you know, we recorded in my bedroom last week with David, but I think this uh, living room setup, this is the nudio. This is how we do it from now on and i love it
0: it's chris uh chris i kind of said his name where but like chris kyle studio
2: like 6b or whatever you know yeah the chris (laughs) kyle studios are retired that that was my mom's (laughs) house the three bedrooms there are the a b and c rooms of the studio Okay, okay uh the grandma's boy studio is retired for the time being. Maybe is we this return always sometime. always
1: called the Nudio.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we thought it's Nudio for now. We'll come up with a real name. Uh, well, we'll figure out the name for the North Hollywood studio. We don't want to be too specific about where JT and I live, but it is in the <laughs> North Hollywood region. It's by this, no, nah, not going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's by this thing. It's by
0: a gas station.
2: Yes. Uh, Email segment is everybody's second favorite segment after Malcolm in the Middle. No one really likes the movie reviews. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
1: You just skip ahead to Malcolm in the Middle, skip ahead right to the emails. Yeah. Uh,
2: Our first one is from Ryan, uh, our classic email contributor, and the subject line is Four Brothers 2005. Hey, guys. Might be a dumb question, lol, sorry, but I figured if anyone would know, it would be my movie buffs. So who are Rich, oh wait, no, sorry. So are Rich and Chris Paul brothers? What about Tony and Jabari Parker? Peace. Who's Rich Paul? From the State Farm commercials? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Or is okay. that cl- no? Just kidding. that's, that's Cliff, Cliff Paul. That's Cliff Paul. I mean, hey, you should know
0: he fucking spanked LaMiki <laughs> Hey, Disney, come
2: on, man. <laughs> your no, your uh,
0: team that you root for. I
2: think Rich Paul's an agent or some shit.
0: Okay, let's do some live investigation yeah, right now. He's a sports agent. Damn, Clutch Sports. Hey, you know, if they are brothers, that's fucking crazy.
2: They're not. <sighs> Tony yeah. Parker, Jabari Parker. Don't think so.
0: If I had to guess,
2: I think it's more that he wanted to, uh, you know. Say four. four brothers
0: oh oh. okay Ooh. i don't know i don't know how i feel about that well i think
2: <laughs> if you're reading the email while you're looking at the subject line it's still good but if i'm telling you the subject line and then telling you the email i mean jt what did you think Needs
1: work. Yeah. Maybe better luck next time. <laughs>
2: well, Our next one's from uh, <laughs> a G-Wagon, uh, and it says, Western Revival. Hello, fellows. Between the filming of Martin Scorsese's Western and the success of Nomadland at the Oscars, which I guess people consider a Western, there seemed to be some talk on Twitter about the revival of the Western in Hollywood. If by some chance this actually did happen, are there any working directors y'all would like to see make a Western?
0: Clint Eastwood.
2: Let's just get the yeah. straight. <laughs> Nomadland is not a western.
1: Hey, it has the searcher shot, bro. I don't think there could ever be a western revival, like either. I don't. No, think, I mean like, especially for yeah,
2: what it yeah, was no, as like, a exactly, institution exactly. of a genre.
0: Is Bone Tomahawk good? I haven't seen that. Haven't
2: seen it. I guess uh, maybe. I'd watch a. Huh? Who would I watch a good western for? I mean, obviously, uh, you know. Uh, Tarantino has done a couple revisionist westerns. Obviously, fucking Clint Eastwood is the god of the revisionist western kind of. Uh, as far as working filmmakers,
0: you know, not maybe not the most creative answer, but it's like just see like just see the legends who haven't done one yet. Like maybe like I don't know what this would be but like a Coppola western. I don't know. Like just like I he's think on, that would be cool. He's on like you know kind of like some weird shit on the back end of his career. So. You know, maybe people who wanted to try some new things. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think this is might also just because I rewatched Gemini Man. But an Angley Western, Ooh. I think that especially with him doing stuff with high frame rates. sixty FPS, that Ooh. would be just going
2: crazy. I would
1: love to see it.
2: Just going crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of people who would do extremely stupid or awesome digital stuff uh, that I would want to see. Like yeah, him and like David Fincher, I think would probably cook up something interesting. Um, Angley has Western. Oh yeah, broke back The gay one. Very Duh. Nice. Isn't that your favorite movie? <laughs> Next question. Uh that's the end of the that's the end of the segment. Uh <laughs> westerns
1: uh, I mean I like more like classic like uh there's there's no uh gunfights in
2: them. Yeah. There's no gunplay. You know. I mean like I'm just trying to think of directors who work now na- cuz like the western is such a classic Hollywood genre. Yeah. Uh because yeah, I mean I like a lot I like a lot of revisionist westerns, but I much prefer the classic Hollywood mode, so it's hard for me to think of a director working now that could deliver the kind of western that I would want to see. Yeah. Like I I don't think it exists. Maybe like No, I'm not going to embarrass myself. It doesn't like I guess TV already
0: is kind of There's a lot of western shit on TV nowadays, right? Yellowstone? Yeah. Let's get get get
2: like Oh, uh, dude, Yellowstone's that one dude though. Costner? oh well, i love costner
0: oh yeah the that guy I know taylor sheridan about. taylor something yeah he a lot was, of taylors he was Hollywood. the little
2: boy in tree of life and now he's a world famous writer director <laughs> <laughs> No, that dude is one of my sworn nemeses uh so you'll never hear about him on the show again let's get goodbye
0: co- let's, oh, sorry i didn't mean to step on your goodbye
2: no what were you gonna say
0: no i was just say let like costner direct a western fuck it
2: i would watch yeah that.
0: Yeah, he directs. I he dances Kevin with Costner, wolves.
2: Man. Kevin Kevin Costner, come on the pod. I know I dissed your showrunner, but come on the pod. Next week on the pod, uh, Cameron from Podcast About List is going to come on. Those guys are crazy. You listen to that shit? Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Eddie, where are you letting them on? <laughs> they might mess with the serious tone of the podcast. That's true. <laughs> uh,
2: we're going to be talking about some awesome, nasty, very fun horror movies. We're going to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 by Toby Hooper, and House of 1,000 Corpses by Rob Zombie. We've that's, talked about Toby that's Hooper on this podcast. Corpses. We've talked about <laughs> Rob Zombie on this podcast. Uh, returning champions are uh, coming fucking left and right. What are we going to do about it? We're going to have a good movie podcast. We're going to fucking, you know
0: like that thing at the carnival where you hit it hard and it goes ding? three dings from all of
1: us. I might be <laughs> so psyched up I go out and kill someone. <laughs> I might, I, right, might
0: I might, kill some dogs out. to prepare pr- pr- for this podcast. Scooter, Much like Shia LaBeouf. Scooter, Scooter, <laughs> Scooter, Scooter, Sammy, all the dogs I know in my life. They're, you better be on fucking watch.
2: Good thing I moved out. Grace and Dumbo are spared. I know how to... <laughs> 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 he knows where you lived. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Don't
1: be frightened. We have nothing to fear anymore. Everything now seems so little, so unimportant.
2: Attention. Attention, everyone. Attention. The forward bulkheads are holding and the ship is in no danger of sinking. Help is on the way. The lifeboats are standing by, and you will soon be with your families. Let me thank you, with the Commodore, for your courage. Hey, did you hear what they said? Did you hear what he
1: said? What? He said, he said we were safe!
2: No, we were safe! We're safe! He, he said, said we were safe! Oh, we're safe. Hey, he saw